Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Take your Bibles, please. If you haven't turned to 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to read there in just a minute. But before you, before we start reading that, I, I want you to picture what it was like that first day, that first Sunday after the crucifixion. And so people would run in and they'd say, I got amazing news! He is risen! And, and they would be surprised, and they would be astounded, and, and they would struggle to believe. It was a challenge to really believe it, because they had lots of people die. They'd lost their great-grandparents, and they'd lost their grandparents, and some of them had lost their parents or their children. And now Jesus died, and everybody knew that he died. And he was fully dead. It wasn't like he was partially dead. He was fully dead. Professional executioners pronounced him dead. They knew what they were doing. In fact, they not only knew what they were doing, if they didn't, if he wasn't actually dead, then they would have to be crucified in his place because they would have failed to do their job. So they made sure it was done. Some of those people who heard the story, he has risen, some of them had watched him die. Some of them watched the place where he was buried. And the, the stone was rolled in front of the tomb. None of them remembered or believed that the resurrection was uh, spoken about by Jesus and by the prophets. They didn't believe it until they saw him. And when they saw him, oh, they really believed. They believed because they saw the proof of it. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul's writing, and at the time of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Paul was known as Saul from Tarsus. He was not a believer. He was not one who was following Christ. And so he became a believer when he saw the risen Christ. And he tells about that in this passage of Scripture. But he also had conversation with Jesus. And Jesus taught him out in the desert of Arabia, another passage of Scripture tells us. And Jesus told him and instructed him about the Old Testament, the New Testament, gave him lots of things that Paul then wrote to us, including this letter to the church in Corinth. And it was written to them, but it was written for us too. And so we can trust it, we can believe it. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, Moreover, brethren. So he's writing to believers, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive, and in which you stand. Now he's going to explain what the gospel is. Verse 2 by which you also were saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He said, if you really believed it, if you really changed your life, then you're saved. But now he explains the gospel. Verse 3, For I delivered to you, first of all, 
This wasn't maybe the first thing that he said, but this was the most important thing. You know, if, if uh, the president walked into this room, he wouldn't be the first one in the room. Who would come first? No. The secret service. God's already here. But, but the secret service would come in to make sure it was safe, and then the president would come in. But if he came in, then you would say, he, that's the first to come in because he's the first, humanly speaking. He has the highest authority in our land. Um, God speaking, he's just a little person in a little country on a little planet in the middle of the universe ruled over by God. Uh, but he says, first of all, the most important thing I taught you, that Christ died. Why? For our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. They buried him after he was dead. And that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, that's one of the names. Peter is called Simon and Peter and Cephas. And so Cephas is talking about the Apostle Peter. He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, the rest of the apostles when they were all gathered together, and that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. 500 at one time. And then he adds, and he, of whom the greater part remained to the present. Now he's not saying they're still alive today in our day, but when he was writing this letter, most of them were still alive. And then he says, but some have fallen asleep, some had died. Their bodies had gone to sleep, their soul and spirit had been with the Lord. He explains that elsewhere in his instruction to the church in Corinth. Then in verse 7, after that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as worn, born out of due time. Paul was known as Saul of Tarsus. He was on the road to Damascus, journeying from down to Jerusalem up to Damascus, and his goal was to arrest believers and take them back in chains to Jerusalem to suffer imprisonment or death. But Jesus met him on that road and spoke to him from heaven, uh, and Paul became, or Saul became a believer, and then later on, like 15 years later, he became a preacher, and he's going around helping start churches as a missionary, and they stopped calling him Saul, which was a Jewish name, and they started calling him Paul, which was a Greek name, because his goal was to reach uh, the Gentiles with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he did a marvelous, marvelous job doing that. But now he's, he's writing here, and he's saying, I know Jesus lives. And he says, not only because I saw him, that's the last thing he says, but he talks about other people who saw him, the private conversations that he had with, with uh, Peter and with James and also with um, Mary uh, Magdalene. He had private conversations with them. And then they had a gathering together and more than 500 people all at once gave testimony of Christ. Now, I want to share with you this morning why I believe in the resurrection, why I do. The first reason is because it was prophesied. 
because it was prophesied. Now, if you were here, it's interesting that uh, the choir sang today, and they sang this banner, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. But on Friday night, they sang the song for this, Jesus paid it all. And on Friday night, we looked at the death of Christ, his death and burial, his crucifixion. And so while we were doing that, we read through Isaiah 53, and it talked about how he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. And we looked at how he paid the penalty for our sins. But if you get down a little further in Isaiah 53, and there comes a verse that says, uh, he was numbered with the transgressors in his death, and then he received an inheritance. Now, some of you have received an inheritance from those who died. But it's the living that received the inheritance. My dad gave extremely generously to the work of the Lord during his life, but he still had a little bit of money left in the bank. For, and when he died, that was divvied up among all of his relatives. Uh, my brother died uh, years before my dad. And uh, so he died first, and then my mom, and then my dad, a decade later. And so Gary didn't get any inheritance, because he died a long time ago. And so his kids got some, but he didn't. But Isaiah 53 says, the one who died is the one who gets the inheritance. And it goes on to say that he rose from the dead. It was a prophecy that Jesus would die and be buried and rise again. And that's exactly what happened. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. So uh, Paul could say this happened according to the scriptures because that's what happened in the Old Testament, what it said, and that's what happened in the life of Christ. But Jesus also talked about this. And he did it often. I'm going to share with you several verses, and I'll also share references where either that verse is or, or it's really close to that. Uh, one is uh, Matthew 16 and Mark 8 both say something. Uh, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. In Matthew 17 and Mark 9, he said, now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man, which was one of his titles that he used to describe himself, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will rise, he will be raised up. Matthew 20, Mark 10, Luke 18, all tell this one, uh, now Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the 12 disciples aside on the road and he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. Now that wasn't, they were on their way to Jerusalem. So that wasn't a surprise. But what he next said, The Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death. And they will deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify and the third day he will rise again. Matthew 26, Mark 14. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. In fact, the non-believers understood what Jesus said. It's like the believers were so grief-stricken 
that they couldn't think straight. They couldn't remember the resurrection. But the non-believers did, uh, those of his enemies. Matthew 27, 63, even his enemies were aware of his prophecy that he would rise from the dead. Now in this verse, they use the word the deceiver. They're calling Jesus a deceiver. They said he was deceiving people because he said he was the son of God and God the son. <laughs> Jesus was telling the truth, Amen. but they called him a deceiver. So here's what his enemies said. We remember while he was still alive, how that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. It was prophesied by Jesus Christ himself. He fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures and he fulfilled his word in the Gospels. I believe in the resurrection because it was prophesied. Secondly, I believe in the resurrection because he was dead and is now alive. See, one of the reasons why in our church and many churches, there's a cross, but it's empty. Some churches have a crucifix. They have a cross that has a representation of Jesus hanging on that cross. We don't do that because we don't celebrate the death of Christ. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ. He rose again. Before he was taken down from the cross, I mentioned earlier, professional executioners, I would not like that job. You know, I, I believe there are times when a death penalty is appropriate, but I wouldn't want to be the guy having to do it. I couldn't push the button or whatever it is required to do it. I, I just couldn't do it. Especially knowing they probably not trusted Christ as Savior or they wouldn't have been doing what they were doing. I couldn't do that. But that was these guys' job. And, and this was normal work for them. Before a large holiday, they would often crucify somebody to, to, you know, when you're coming into town and you see a guy hanging up there on the cross, it, it sobers you. You're, you're less likely to get in trouble, uh, to cause trouble. And Jesus was put to death by guys who did that. That was part of their job. And they made sure he was dead when they thrust a spear through his side that pierced his heart. And, and the Bible says blood and water flowed out of what, what happened when a heart is pierced. And they made sure he was dead so that they wouldn't have to face the penalty of crucifixion. He was put into a tomb. A stone was rolled in front of the door. Now, when it talks about the tomb being sealed, uh, sometimes we seal things with caulking around so it can't leak. It wasn't that type of sealing. It was a governmental seal, like, don't break this. And so they would, they would seal something against the tomb so that they would know if it ever got open. It didn't make it completely airtight by sealing all the way around the stone. They just sealed a spot so that you could tell if the stone had been moved, that seal would have been broken. He was put in the tomb, and he was fully dead. Now, we have a record of Jesus' own testimony. 
when he met John on the Isle of Patmos, the Lord in all of his glory appeared to John, his apostle, and he talked to him. And here's what Jesus said to the apostle John. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. The keys of hell, the place of the departed dead. I have those keys. Jesus said, I live, then I died, and now I'm living again. In Romans, I'm sorry, Revelation 2.8, Jesus was dictating a letter to the church in Smyrna. And as he wrote a letter to those people, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These things, says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. Jesus came back from the dead. He didn't stay dead. Now, in their culture, they didn't have funeral services or memorial services like we do. In fact, in their culture, it was normal for a body to be buried sometimes within minutes of when it died, of when the person died, they would, they would try and bury the body. We have a story in Acts 5 where a husband was buried before his wife even knew that he died. She found out that he was dead after he was already buried. And, and that's what they did in their culture. Uh, but in our culture, we have a memorial service. And so my dad died right at the beginning of COVID. And it was months before we could have a memorial service in his church. Uh, but in, in their culture, it was very quick. And they didn't have memorial services. They had what's called a wake. And in the wake, people would gather and they would tell stories of the one who died and, and they'd cry together. There was some grief. In, uh, there was grief. And there were people who were, who were uh, uh, sometimes hired to be wailers. And, and that was, they would wail to represent the, the verbal suffering of the people who had lost somebody. But you know what Jesus did? The disciples were all gathered together all together and they were fearful and they were shut in behind a closed door and Jesus showed up and interrupted his own wake. How cool is that? They, and he is risen. He rose from the dead. I believe it because it was prophesied and I believe it because that's what the scripture says. We have Jesus' own words that he was dead and is now alive. Amen. The third reason I believe it is because it's historically verified. Amen. It's historically verified. Now, the way uh, things are proven in our culture, there's two methods of proof, right? There's the scientific method. It can be examined. It can be repeated in a lab. And then there's the historical thing. So, like, I can prove all of you are alive. You know, we can poke a pin at you and you might say, ouch, or you might be really weird and say, oh, that feels so good. But, but we can poke and we can prove that you are alive. But we can't prove that you were born scientifically. Now, some of you are here with your mom. In fact, AJ's mom is with him, his mom and dad. So you get the real scoop on that one. <laughs> And, and so she can tell us when A.J. was born. He doesn't remember anything about it. 
He was just laying there so cute and cuddly, but she remembers exactly what it was like and the day it was. So historically, we can prove things. And that's what satisfies in a court of law today. It's proved historically. And we can prove Jesus rose from the dead historically. We have historical records of it. Not hysterical records of a group of people who didn't understand, but historical records of those who were a little skeptical, but then they saw the proof of it themselves and became believers or were encouraged in their belief. Matthew 28 the angel answered and said to the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. The ladies were there, and they were intending to anoint the body with spices and that, and Jesus wasn't there. He rose from the dead. In Luke 24, an angel said, Why seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake to you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And then they remembered the words of Jesus. In John 20, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, uh, the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, uh, and that Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. And he said, Peace be to you. But they were terrified. They were shocked. They, they were not expecting Jesus. But he showed the proof of it. And then were his disciples glad when they saw the Lord. There was great rejoicing. So I believe it because we have historical records. All right. Just what's the largest group in here in uh, 1 Corinthians 15? We read the names of several people, and there's a number of people, and what's that large number of people? 500 people all saw Jesus at the same time. It's not like three saw him here and seven saw him there and 21 over there. No, they all saw him at the same time. So after church today, if you go out to dinner, whatever you do, uh, you go home to eat with friends or family or both, uh, hopefully your family are also your friends, but, uh, but you could say, I know Pastor was there today. I saw Terry Green. I saw him at church today. In fact, he and Ben look like twins, right? <laughs> we got to go. In fact, Tim Martinez is, is in on it too. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get a picture of us triplets after Tuesday. <laughs> but you could say, I saw him there. And if you went to a court of law, they said, was Terry Green at that church today? You could all say, yes, he was there. We saw him. And we listened to him. And it was wonderful, right? You could tell us. Uh, but what, it's a historical verification of eyewitness testimony. Now, if we went to court, if I had to prove that I was here for my alibi and I had two or three people, that would be enough to satisfy the court. But what if you had 500 people who all said the same thing 
they were there the same day at the same time, saw the same thing, and they all said the same thing, and most of them were still alive when Paul was writing this letter. He said, we can go back and prove with eyewitness testimony and historical verification, Jesus rose from the dead. The same people who served with him before he died saw him again after he died. Amen. And, and so we have proof of the historical, we have historical proof that he is risen. It's not a story made up by people. It's history, true history. I also believe in the resurrection because the radical transformation of his disciples. What were they doing that first Sunday evening? They were kind of hiding. They were cowering in fear behind closed doors. They were afraid. See, what sometimes happens is if a general or a leader dies, then the people who were following that leader are afraid they're going to be put to death. We live in a culture based on law, but a lot of cultures in the world are only based on power, and so they... There's abuses that go on a lot, even in our culture, but especially in others. Uh, but the, they, they were afraid, man, if they came after Jesus, what are they going to do to us? And they're fearful, and they're hiding, and they're quiet, and they're not expecting Jesus. And he shows up. And he shows himself. Amen. And he is real. And then what do we find? Those same disciples, those ones who were cowering in fear, now become bold witnesses for Christ. And when they're beaten and threatened with death, they stand up and say, we ought to obey God rather than man. And we're going to preach in the name of Jesus. And they did it. Every one of those apostles suffered greatly. All of, According to church history, all of them were put to death for their faith with the one exception of John, the Apostle John, who survived being boiled in oil and also survived being exiled to the rocky little island of Patmos. And he survived both of those experiences. And according to church history, he lived into his mid-90s and, uh, and was still preaching for Christ. All of the others died violently. But they never one time said, it was a hoax. We just made it up. Let me live. Not once. They all said, it's the truth. These timid, fearful, weak men who fled away when Jesus was arrested. And now they're hiding in fear when Jesus, they thought Jesus was still dead. They became bold witnesses for Christ. And nothing could stop them from sharing that message. Even when their lives were threatened, they still spoke the truth of Christ. Amen. In fact, it's not just the apostles. There's a story told of one of the early church leaders named Polycarp. And Polycarp was being burned at the stake, but they told him he could live if he would renounce Jesus. And he's tied to a stake with kindling under his feet. And the guard who tied him, he said to Polycarp, please, Renounce him so you can live. And Polycarp said, Eighty and six years have I served my Lord. He has never failed me yet. How could I fail him now? And then the guy who was supposed to light the fire under him wouldn't do it. 
And so somebody else did, and that soldier made a profession of faith in Christ, and then he was put to death right after Polycarp was. How cool for Polycarp to be in heaven, and the, the, the last person he witnessed to suddenly is in heaven with him. The disciples of Jesus became bold witnesses for Christ in the face of punishment, in the face of suffering, in the face of certain death, they still spoke the truth of Jesus Christ. He rose from the dead. And so today, we gather as the early church did, but we don't hide behind locked doors because we live in a nation that allows the freedom to follow Jesus Christ. We are gathered together just like they did on that first Sunday. And we openly, boldly meet together because he is risen. And we celebrate and we rejoice in it. I also believe in the resurrection because of my personal experience with Jesus Christ. I didn't have a dramatic conversion like Paul on the road to Damascus, uh, but I was not a good person. I was not a nice person. And I... I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior, and he changed my life. Amen. I honestly did not have a conscience before I got saved. You know, a lot of little kids feel guilty when they do wrong things. I only got mad if I got in trouble. I never had guilt. And then I trusted Christ, and it was the weirdest thing. I suddenly started feeling guilty for things. I had never experienced that before. My mom was so thrilled that I got saved. Not just because I'd be in heaven with her, she's already there and I'll join her someday, but that my life changed. And she liked having me around a whole lot more. <laughs> and you know what? Your life has changed in Christ. <coughs> now, I will tell you that my wife was a nice person before she got saved. She's still nice, okay? I'm not saying she used to be nice. <laughs> uh, but, but she was a good kid. All of her teachers loved having her in class. My teachers did too, the day I promoted to another class. They loved watching me walk out the door the last time. And so, but she was a nice person, but you know what? Her life changed when she trusted her. She believed in him, and her life changed, and her mom can tell you the difference in her before she got saved and after she got saved. And you, when you trust Christ as your savior, your life changes. Some of you were headed down a dangerous path and you trusted Christ and now you're not down that dangerous path. Some of you trusted Christ just this year. Some of you trusted Christ years and years and years ago. But your life changes. Your values change. You, you believe the record in scripture, the historical record that that is proven, you believe it, you trust in it, you know Christ, you talk to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. You don't just follow the teachings of Jesus, you follow Jesus himself because he's alive and you have a relationship with him. Now, my kids have online friends. <laughs> my my younger son has a bunch of online friends. He works at a company that his co-workers live in multiple countries. And, and it, but my older son used to call his, Nathan used to call Benjamin's 
online friends, his imaginary friends. <laughs> but, but they're real people, and they have a real connection with him, even though they've never met face to face. Our older daughter Jess has made some trips where they've gotten several of the internet friends together to meet in face to face for the first time. And you know, you're going to meet Jesus face to face someday, but you can already be building the friendship, the relationship that's going to last forever with Jesus Christ. You're not waiting for heaven to be a follower of Jesus. You're doing it now. And so your life has changed. And those of you who were nice people before Christ, before you followed him, I could talk about the radical change in my life. And, and I had teachers who were so surprised. What happened to you over the summer? Uh, because I started smiling and started participating in class. And... And uh, they, they, what happened? And I would tell them, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and he changed my life. Some of you can't say before Christ and after Christ, you can't see that radical change in your life. Perhaps you got saved when you were very young, or you were very nice, or both. And so but what you can say is, I pray in his name. I sense his presence with me. I, I walk with him, and I talk with him, and we journey through life together. And you, you have a living relationship with a living Savior. That was a good response. Woo! Praise the Lord! We have a living relationship with a living Savior. Now, there's one last reason why I believe in the resurrection and it's this I believe in the resurrection because it's true Amen. it's true he is risen he is risen indeed. he is risen indeed now you might be here today and you have not done what I did in August of 1976 when I trusted Jesus Christ as my savior you might not have done that you might not know that if you died in a tragic car accident this afternoon that you would go to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to do that. Now, if you're feeling like you should trust him, then this is probably what the Bible describes as the Father is drawing you, urging you to trust in his Son. And the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and life to encourage you to believe in Jesus Christ. And so some people think, well, I'm too bad. I've, I've been bad. I've messed up too many things. God couldn't forgive me. Well, let me share with you something Jesus said, okay? Here's what Jesus said in his own words recorded in John 6:37. The one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Amen. The one who comes. So when my sweet wife was a sweet, cute little girl, and she's, she's still sweet and cute. She's not so little girl, she's grown taller. So when my wife trusted Jesus Christ as her savior, she did it exactly the same way her husband who made a mess of his life did it. We both confessed that we were sinners and that we needed a savior and that we believed the historical record found in scripture 
of who the Savior is, and that he died to pay the penalty for our sins, and we can now trust and follow him. We did it the same way. We did it years apart. We did it miles apart. I, I was in New Mexico when I got saved. Um, she was in Michigan when she got saved. And we did it miles apart, states apart. Uh, more than a decade of time, she got saved first and then me. But we did it the same way. We trust in Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you have not, if you don't know for certain that when you die, you'll go to be with the Lord in heaven, then you need to trust Him today. And so I'll tell you that anybody you saw up on the platform or at the piano today, any of those people could show you from Scripture exactly how you could be saved. So you could trust Jesus Christ so that He's not just the Savior, He would become your Savior. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.